It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. I got this feeling inside my bones. It goes electric, wavy when I turn it on. All through my city, all through my home. We're flying up, no ceiling when we in our zone. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. Ooh, I can't take my eyes off it. Moving so phenomenally. Come on, lock the way we rock it. So don't stop. Good evening to you. It is 7.01 on a Thursday evening and welcome to Repco Race Control. So nice to be back in the seat. So nice to be feeling more than 5% after dealing with the dreaded COVID. And we go live to Topo ahead of the second round of the North Island Endurance Series and Murph. So all good to go in the Renault RSO one again this weekend, buddy boy. Yeah, uh, hopefully, mate. Um, looking forward to get back in the car. We haven't had the car at Topol before. Um, notoriously hard on tyres is the Tabo Motorsport Park, um, but I have had it on uh, good authority uh, that um, there is a lot of resurfacing uh, planned in the future. So looking forward to that. But um, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a challenging weekend for all the teams uh, to be able to look after tyres. But no, um, can't wait to get back on board and uh, going up against uh, the boy again, the sun. <laughs> In his uh, Aston Martin um, GD3 with uh, John Penny. So uh, we've got a few more cars this weekend, and you're heading down as well to uh, be there on Saturday to do some comm work. So uh, the few more cars entered, uh, which is nice for the weekend. Yeah, it was it was good to see. I see um, that uh, Johnny Reed and Neil Foster are back. The reigning yep. North Island Endurance champions are back. So that'll throw another international motorsport car at the field. And I see. Um, oh, the Hamilton Ashfelt GT is running as well. GTR, the yeah, GTR, yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, Lance Hughes is running the uh, the Lambo. Um, uh, what's it is? The, the, the Gallardo, the um, Gallardo, isn't it? Gallardo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with uh, Chris Vanderdrift and um, Alan, Alan Sargent, Sargent, isn't it? Yeah. And Matt. Um, um, oh goodness, uh, from Hampton Downs, Matt. <laughs> I can't remember his <laughs> name. It's <laughs> terrible. Uh, um, is, is sharing the GDR. So there's another car, and also. Um, we've got um, 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 McLaren back in the field too, oh, John DeVeef well, and Glenn Smith. Hey, what's the so weather forecast like, uh, by the way? Uh, well, if, it's going to be fine, but um, it is very cold, very, very cold. Oh, so, right. okay. uh, so bring the start is, It's definitely got winter underway here, a bit of snow on the mountains, which is a very positive sight. Oh, okay. So have you got your board ready to go up the mountain? 
Oh, it's ready, but it's going to be a little while yet before there's enough snow. I think yeah. it's a busy old. And, trip. and, the, and the fact, and the fact, sorry, the fact that I'm um, um, going to uh, Bathurst this year and um, having to uh, drive the supercar, I think probably maybe snowboarding might be off the uh, agenda for this uh, this winter. Ah, of course, mm. insurance issues. Hey, look, it's a busy old show night coming shortly. Uh, an interview I did a couple of weeks back with Scott McLaughlin. We've we, we've been quite open. It was. It was edited, and we're, but it, we it says some interesting things about what uh, what happens, what happens with the qualifying, and we'll talk about that magnificent qualifying. Uh, it's nice to f- know the fact that we'll be talking to Courtney Duncan after eight thirty tonight, Murph. Finally, over that broken collarbone, it's only two rounds left to go in the WMX World Championship, but uh, it'll be just nice to hear how her headspace is, right? Well, just nice to talk to her to see how it's all going and, and what, the, what the build up is. I mean, um, I'm sure her headspace is absolutely fine, Stephen. She's a she's a professional and and multiple world champion, so um, I don't think there's any issues there. I mean, it's just part and parcel. We've talked about it before. Where uh, riding motocross bikes is a, a dangerous vocation and things go wrong. <laughs> yeah, it it's does. Part and parcel. Also, we'll talk to Avalon about uh, World Superbikes and MotoGP and yep. David Reynolds from Grove Racing. They had a monster weekend at Winton, so he's coming your way at 8 o'clock this evening. Also, your chance to win the beer drop table. Is it a table, Sanjay? Bottle drop, the bottle drop game. Beer drop. <laughs> psh, 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 your glass you are bottles. so not one of the cool kids, man. No, I'm not. Uh, so it's the bottle drop table tonight. <laughs> the question, if you want to have a crack at it, and call us on 0800 150811, is how many times has Scott Dixon taken pole at the Indy 500? How many times has Scott Dixon taken pole at the Indy 500? And you go in the draw to win that bottle drop table. 0800... Bottle drop game, bottle drop game. Oh dear. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight seven. If anyone thought it was a table and was getting excited, <laughs> it is not a table. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You can see obviously. Down, you can you can see Slow I down. drink a lot of alcohol, right? And then play all these That's games. Right. I'm good well, at beer. It I'm sounds good, like I'm, you do. I'm good at beer pong, mate. I'm good at beer pong. Okay, let's get into it. Uh, a couple of weeks back, before I uh, fell sick, I had a chat to Scotty McLaughlin. They were coming off the NDGP, and we started by chatting about the points table. I said to him, look, three of the top five are Penske's in the points, uh, and uh, things seem to be rolling pretty well with the Chevys. Yeah, for the Chevys especially, um, I think we've got a really good good motor, and, and uh, you know, everyone at, at Team Chevy been doing a pretty good job um, with, you know, drivability and making the engines you know, easy for us to drive. Um, and then, you know, on our side from, you know, Penske standpoint, I think we've just really stepped up alongside the Chevy motors and stuff and, and it's really suited our cars and stuff like that. So, and, and I think the added, you know, confidence of just three cars and everyone working together pretty well and, and, and more resources going in on the three cars has, has been really, really, really strong for us all season. And, um, I think we're just all, all three of us are just pushing each other to, to no end and, and it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's really working out well for us. But now we're into the one that matters to everybody. And double points, too, which could be a real killer for a, for a championship if you don't get it right. The Indy 500, 106th version. You were at the 500, well, practicing at the 500 before the GP, and you were, you were on pace. Are you confident that you'll, you'll be top five or make the fast 12 at least? Yeah, look, I, I think it's, um, it's just it's so dependent on just how we come out of the box on Friday when we know what we, we're at on, on speeds. I think Chevy are confident that... They've brought power to the race, um, which bodes well for us. And obviously, we've got a, a good good spot as a team with car set up. Um, but then you've got, you know, you've got five Ganassi cars that are probably going to be right up there. You've got three McLarens. You've got 
you know, four Andretti's like that, that already covers, you know, the top 12 almost. So like, it's, you know, it's tremendously hard and you might find a lot of people might find themselves just, just outside the barrier purely because there's just a number of cars from, you know, similar teams that are very strong. So you just don't know. You just got to hope that you get a decent draw for qualifying. You qualify, you know, you can qualify at the right time, good weather, and, and you can punch one in pretty early and, and hopefully plant your ticket. Yeah, that's interesting. What is the perfect scenario for qualifying? Well, ideally, you either want to go, you probably want to go, you know, the earliest because that's the not the probably the hottest of the day, but sometimes that can change, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, last year, Scotty Dixon was the first one out of the blocks and his track temp was about 30 or 40 degrees cooler than it was for like when we rolled out maybe an hour or so later. So it definitely makes a difference with in, in determining the speeds and stuff, and it can put you on the back foot if you do have sort of bad weather. And, and the winds around here dictate a lot too. Sometimes you can get a gust of wind and you can find yourself, you know, half a mile an hour faster and, you know, or, or it can be detriment to you as well. So, yeah, it's really determined on Mother Nature and how it all goes. But, you know, we're confident that we can be right there at least if we have everything go right. What is it like driving that track at speed? Oh, it's amazing. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's very different to anything that I've done before, but like, you know, Bathurst is its own and, um, you know, a couple of the other tracks over here that I've run on Laguna Seca and all that sort of stuff. But in, t- in terms of an oval, there's nothing like it. I mean, Texas Motor Speedway is fast, but, uh, it's a little bit, it's almost, Texas Motor Speedway is almost like a street circuit where this, this feels like a, a, a road course oval, you know, like it's big, long, you know, beautiful scenery, like, uh, and very fast, all about slipstream. And, um, you know, you've got to really, you know, think about your time and look at footage, you know, have a game plan and, and try and stick to that. You had a solid 500 last year. You were leading for a little while, but, you know, there was gas and the whole nine yards. I mean, how hard is it not to get excited and how, how nervous does one get now? Yeah, I feel a lot more calmer this this year and just trying to soak mm-hmm. it all in. Um definitely understand it a lot more than I did probably, you know, last year. And, and I think this year it's just even bigger. Like today on the opening day, there was a lot of people out, um, you know, heaps of people in the pits and that was different to last year where most of it was closed down. So yeah, I'm, I've, I'm just trying to soak it in as much as I can. I'm going to be nervous for sure when I start qualifying and then when I get into the race, but that's just me. That's, that's who I am. I'm always like that. But you know, I, I think uh, we've got a really good shot this year with my experience and you know, my confidence levels rolling in from, you know, road, street, oval, being fast on all the, those disciplines before we've got here. So like you said before, you know, it's a double points race. It's important to get, you know, a solid result. And really Alex Blow, you know, that's what saved his championship last year when he had a few DNFs towards the end of the year was he had a really strong 500 where he finished second. So now, um, that if I can't win the race, I need to make sure that I get as many points as I can, and, and that's exactly what our objective is. Do you think we understand the magnitude of the 500 watching it from here? Physically, the race itself think, and everything wrapped up on it? Yeah, I think you get some sort of an idea of looking at it, but you no one ever gets an idea until they're fully here and immersed in the in the experience. It's it's something that I highly recommend for, you know, any sort of sport lovers. You know, they don't even have to be right into motorsport. It's just one of those occasions where you have you know, there's not many I don't think there's any places in the world that you have four hundred thousand people on one day, you know, it's just crazy. And and the amount of people, the magnitude of the place, um, the whole city gets amongst it, you know, the town, like nearly every 
house on the way here has got checkered flags and indie flags at the front of it. There's, you know, there's a massive JW Marriott downtown that's got a huge Indy 500 sign on the side of it. Like it's just, it's it's crazy, and you just feel like a rock star for a month through here. You know, everyone knows what the race is here. Everyone knows, you know, who they are. <coughs> the street named after you. It's um, it's crazy, and um, yeah, you know, very very uh, excited and privileged to be here. Well, let's just uh, quickly talk about things that might make a difference, right? You're sitting in the new bus, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. How is yep. it, man? That, mate, mate, you you, you nice. didn't do things by hard, did you? Nah, nah, just went all in. But you know, that's the plan. You know, we're here to be uh, here here for a long time, not a short time. So it's good energy in, right? So. Um, no, I feel like, no, car, the, the, it was probably the best thing we've done lifestyle wise, feel really comfortable. It's just nice to have a home away from home and we packed this up, you know, it's our second, yeah, it is our second home. Like it's, I came here with basically a backpack, you know, like flew in and, and, and bus was ready to go and it's really makes a difference and, and makes you feel at home. We've got the dog here and, and, um, yeah, I'm eating my own food and it's nice. So yeah, it, it, for a long month like this, it definitely makes it, uh, it makes it easier. And then when you get into the racing, you know, mid July, August, where you've got mm-hmm. five, six, seven races in a row, it definitely makes a difference. Have you named it? Does it have a name? Nah, nah. I was going to name it after my grand. I'm not, I'm not sure yet. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she was always into all that sort of stuff. But um, you know, I think yeah. um, I, I, we're sort of Jerry's out at the moment. We'll just try and figure it out. And have you done that? You've done another episode of Bus Bros with New Garden. Yeah, yeah, Bus Bros is going going strong, so you can catch that on YouTube. But it's uh, <laughs> you know, it's pretty bit of a character, old Joseph. We get along pretty well, and he um, yeah, we uh, just been a couple of idiots on there, and and um, Kiwis would appreciate it. It's just a bit of Kiwi uh, Kiwi humor yeah. in some of it as well. So um, yeah, it's fun. But most importantly, you get to see mum and dad for the first time in what two and a half years this week coming up. How, how yeah how... yeah. The real does that feel? Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I mean, Carly, my wife, been talking about it. You know, it's so weird because we've almost got immune to being away from them, which is so sad. You know, and and um, you know, FaceTime, we're getting all getting over FaceTime. The phone calls are getting shorter and shorter because we've all had a guts full of it. You know, and so we know <laughs> it so far. And yeah, mum and dad are both saying it's kind of like Christmas, like waiting for Santa Claus to turn up. You know, so it's um, it's exciting. Um, you know, and I'm super pumped for them just to experience it all you know the whole team are excited to meet them and, and meet my sister and and see the whole family because you know it's i've been talking about it about catching up with them they've been talking about coming over and finally being able to do it and i know for a fact all the guys are really interested in seeing them and and, and looking after them as well which is really exciting well just you know what your dad's like make sure the damn the damn bus is clean and tidy to the point yeah of yeah thing. Clean and uh, clean with tire shine on the tire, on the wheels outside, and yeah, yeah, no, I'll make sure it's all sorted. Yeah, and Dad uh, Wayne, uh, Mum <laughs> Diane, and his sister Sammy uh, finally hooked up with them. Uh, we recorded that a couple of weeks back, and uh, they are now ensconced in Indy, Indianapolis. Uh, the whole McLaughlin clan, first time in thirty-one months, Murph. It must. It's quite a nice bump when you think about it, right? You're heading into the five hundred. You know, they've got Carb Day coming up, and. Uh, the fact that he's got familiar, familiar. I think familiarity around him might might help. But can he win from twenty sixth? Oh, listen, it's going to be tough. Yeah. But um, all the cliches. There's heaps of cliches we can throw out there right now. But in in reality, if you you look at um, Helio Castro Neves last year, and I, I read just a uh, listened to a thing that he was talking about um, 
uh, saying that, you know, he had such a good car. He just said, you know, he had such a good car last year that he could just do whatever he wanted and it worked. Um, I can't remember where he started last year, but it wasn't, it wasn't anywhere near the front. And he, you know, he just, he just worked his way through, worked his way through, worked his way through. Things have got to fall your way. And that can happen very, very easily. And I mean, there's, listen, there's lots of reasons people would say that he can't win, but there's, there's a whole lot of reasons that have been proved thousands of times before um, that show that he, that he could. Um, his car does just need to be fantastic. I mean, no, no, you don't win any race without a car that's, um, that is, is good and does what you want. You've got to have pit stops go your way. You've got to have safety cars work your way. And safety cars can be the bit that can actually change it for him and can put him in a position to actually be, be there at the finish. And um, he showed last year he had the speed, the pace to be able to run at the front. It's no problem. But that um, yellow submarine has to be a, a very, very good car and race trim. And um, he's got to have that, be able to have that confidence to do the job. So, you know, we know he's got confidence in himself, but he, he needs to be given the confidence by feeling the car and, and, and um, you know, knowing that he can make a move around the outside of someone if he has to, around um, the outside of one of those corners, if he, if he has to be on the outside at some place. Yeah, he's confident, some the, he's confident of the Chevy doing well, but there's a whole heap of Hondas in front of it. We'll talk about the pole yeah. sitter and more coming your way in just a moment here on Repco Race Control. He has been denied more than one victory multiple times, and that's a major source of frustration for Scott Dixon. Last year was a real annoying race for him with fuel issues. But guess what? He's challenged that and challenged it into positivity. Scott Dixon is a five-time Indianapolis pole winner, and he's done it in the fastest way. Scott Dixon wins pole for the 106th Indy 500 coming your way live on Sky Sport on Monday morning. It was also the fastest ever four-lap average, and this is in miles an hour, at 234.046 miles an hour. He's now only shy, one pole shy of Rick Mears' record of six. Uh, Murph, I, you know, we've, oh, we've been... Sp- Talking over the last sort of you know a few weeks about you know when Scott Dixon going to do something and he's sitting in fifth in the championship what's he going to do and then he goes and pulls out what you'd have to say is one of the best runs we've seen in a long 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 time. No, no, it's the best run we've ever seen <laughs> um, to grab pole. Yeah, Ari Leindijk, uh went faster, but it was just in a qualifying run. Um, right. It wasn't actually to uh, to go for to take up uh, or go for pole. So. Um, he just he just keeps ticking boxes that no one else has been able to do. I mean, he he just he's just he's incredible. I mean, I, I just take my hat off to him. I, I'm in awe of of uh, his achievements and and how good he is at at driving race cars. I mean, just to go out there, cool as a cucumber. I mean, he said he, he nearly had a crash in the top twelve uh, runoff. Um, uh, car wasn't uh, as good as what it needed to be, but. Um, uh, he managed to go and turn that around. And, hey, things have probably fallen his way a little bit just in the timing of the runs. I mean, we heard Scott McLaughlin talking about that before, and they've all made mention of the ambient temperature and the track temperature and the stuff. And it worked for him, but he's still got the job done. On You know, he takes those opportunities and he makes the most of them, you know, absolutely makes the most. I just love watching all the other guys stand there shaking their head in disbelief <laughs> of 
of how he goes and does it. And and you know, Alex Palau just was like, "Come on, man, can't you just give us one, you know, one shot at this?" <laughs> but, just but, keeps taking it away. But that's it's the brilliant. real story, right? Our Chevy's been dominating uh, the season so far, and suddenly you got uh, five Chip Ganassi cars like sitting all around in that that top ten. I mean, even uh, Jimmy Johnson, or who almost lost it, yeah. uh, was looking strong on the over. Uh, interesting little fun fact. So it's the first Ganassi one two. Uh, since 2008. Who won the Indy 500 in 2008? Well, just guess. Just guess. It's the only time he has won it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he, he won it from up the front there. That's right. It is it is unbelievable. But the, the question now remains, can he convert pole into... Oh, of course he can. Of course he can. Absolutely. Again, we, same, reason, same reason Scott McLaughlin can win from 26th. You know, um, have everything go your way, have a fast car, blah, 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 blah. Same reason that Scott, McGlo- uh, Scott Dixon can win from pole. He's he's been there five times before. He's only won it once. So you know it doesn't mean that you're going to win the race because you've started from the front. He knows that. He knows there's a big job to do. Look what happened last year. Ran out of fuel. Um, all sorts of things happen. You know um, that that's just the way the cookie does actually crumble. So you've got to roll the dice. You've got to take risks. You've got to. You've got to do it all. You've got to have a fast car. You can't make mistakes. I mean, it's it's a, it's a tough game. Is it true that they now they now take those qualifying engines out? Yeah, well, they'll, they'll put in another engine and for for the race, absolutely. They'll, they'll be run through various different engines for the for the week. I mean, then, uh, for the two weeks that they've been up, up there doing it, they don't not just going to run one. They'll have a fresh one in there that's um, ready to go and and um, got all the miles on it. Absolutely. Does that not yeah. seem odd? That's normal. No, that's normal. That's absolutely normal. Um, well, I'm just, just the, the, way, the way you go about it. Yeah, okay. I, I suppose engine, because... an engine is an engine. An engine is an engine. Um, you know, uh, those ones have been turned up as as, as high as mm. they possibly can, as far as boost and everything goes. Um, you know, the tuning, all that stuff that happens. Um, you know, I, I don't know how many they go through for the two weeks that they're there, but you know, um, it's 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 normal that they've got a plan and they've got a, a, a a certain amount of engines per car and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I'm not fully up on the rules and everything, but you know, the one that they've been using for all this, that, all that stuff, all the testing, or maybe they've used more than one. Um, they'll want to start that race with something that's nice and fresh and, and um, low on miles and gives them the best chance to make sure they get to the finish. I just think it's going to you, be, you got to think, you got to think how, how, how much full throttle they, they are full throttle around that, that track for the periods that they are, the RPM that those engines are doing for a long, 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 long periods of time. Mm. So 500 miles, you know, they get a few rests with um, safety cars and the likes and going into the pit lane and bits and pieces, but they are having long runs at 11,800 RPM or around that, um, you know, for for long, long periods of time. So you want to make sure you've got the best uh, best chance of getting to the finish and, and usually a fresh engine is a good start. No, it's going to be an absolute cracker. Remember, it's live on... It will be a cracker. Yeah. Live on Sky Monday morning, the 106th running of the Indy 500. The question tonight for the bottle drop table, game, game, the bottle drop game, game. Uh, is how many times <laughs> has Scott Dixon taken pole of the Indy 500? Our good mate Chorf is on the phone. Hello, Chorfy. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, good as gold. It'll be five, wouldn't it? It would be five. It would be five. So you're in the yeah. draw to win that yeah. bottle drop table, mate. Uh, do you like Scott yeah. McLaughlin's chances of... Uh... Game. Game, Stephen. Game. Ah, game. Right, game. Yeah, game. Come on. Come on. Let's get it right, Stephen. Come Jeez, on. Uh, don't you start. Um, so well, do you... come on. You've got to... Do you like McLaughlin's... Hey, um, listen... 
Listen, I'll tell you what. You know what? Scott McLaughlin's chance for running from 26, it's a big call, Murphy. Oh, it's, it's a, a big hard, call. Absolutely. Hard, of course hard. it's a big call. But, hey, anybody can win that race. Anybody that starts one or last can win that race. <laughs> well, you've got to actually be in the race to win it. Uh, not anyone can win it, well, but only hey, those that are in the race. Exactly. Exactly. To get there for a start, you have to be... You know, you've got to be in it, don't you? Hey, hey, Chorf, that's about as good as Murph saying an engine's an engine. Okay, back at you. Well, it is. <laughs> well, it is. An engine is an engine. And, I mean, hey, I'll tell you what, those engines that are hanging at 11,000 RPM for how many hours? Oh, gosh. Man. That's a few. Come on. Like, figure it out. Like, it's pretty good engineering, Murph, isn't it? No, it's pretty good, Chorf. You're not wrong there, mate. They, uh, those uh, Honda people and Chevy people make some pretty good donkeys. At least they do. All right, oh. all right, Chorf, you're, you're in the draw to win the... Yeah. Again. Again, to win the game, the bottle drop game. 0800 if you want to join Chorfy in the draw, just tell us how many polls has Dixon uh, won at Indy 500. Hey, look, Murph, before we go any further, take a wee break before we get on to uh, Avalon, I was watching a video today, and it was on your car. Right. The, the, the Ring Brothers had, well, had done, it was something called whichcar.com.au or something like that, and it showed mm-hmm. the whole detail of Captive. Unbelievable. 800 to, well, no, it's- 800 to 1,000 hours, they said, on the, on the body work alone. Yeah, yeah, no, it was at, it was at least that um, on the body and the paint and all that stuff. Six clear yeah, coats, so, six clear coats, yeah, four four base coats. Right. I was I was yep. staggered, but then they showed underneath the car and and then they took it for a little drive. And honestly, that thing is fat, baby. It's fat. It is. Yeah, it is. I can't wait to get my hands on it uh, at home. Um, yes, and, and and sleep with it and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, I tell you what, looking at that that upholstery because I know you were really finicky about the upholstery. You'd want to sleep in it. It looks beautiful. I mean, it's a, mm-hmm. it's it's a beautiful car. Has it been um, certified yet? No, no. That uh, hopefully that process starts on uh, on Monday. How long does that yes. sort of process take? Well, hopefully um, uh, not that long. I mean, we, we went through the process, um, I, I believe, as good as we could have and had the right people looking at the right times. And, yeah. um, and you know, hopefully the guy that is doing it, uh, Scott, is um, is happy with what he sees and the work that's been done and and um, ticks the boxes nice and quick with a bit of luck. But there's, you know, it's a, there's a fairly... Um, arduous task these days on on making sure a car like that that's had a, a you know basically a ground up uh, build and is a resto mod car. Um, there's a, there's a fair few rules and regulations that it's yeah. um, it, uh, it's got to con- conform to. Just got to be road legal, right? That's no, no, no. no. There's a whole lot of engineering and, and oh. there's a massive amount of stuff. Oh it's wow, road legal road legal can is put together with a whole lot of rules and regulations that yeah. it has to conform to. Not, oh, a, like, not a simple task. When they said everything I was, was bespoke, I went, oh my, it is a peach. Captive is in the house. All right, this is Repco Race Control. 0800 That's 0800 If you can tell us how many pole positions Scott Dixon has scored at Indy 500 to go to the draw to win that Repco prize this evening. It's 7.31. We'll go to two wheels short and talk to Avalon. 
7.35 on a Thursday evening around New Zealand, wherever you are. Welcome into this edition of Repco Race Control with MacIver and Murph. If you're listening in Australia on the SEN app, hello to you as well. Paul is on the line from Pukekohe. G'day, Paul. G'day, Stephen. The answer B5. The and, answer uh, is... Wonder... F- mm. Yes, the answer is five to correct uh, Scott Dixon's uh, number of poles in the Indy 500. Pretty simple one, was it? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no. I really do enjoy the uh, uh, two-hour shows that you blokes put on. And just a question for Greg there is magnificent Dodge. What year is it and what colour are you painting it, Murph? Well, it is painted, mate. Uh, it is a uh, special oh. uh, colour. It is, um, uh, what do we call Porsche. it? Porsche pearl. Oh, it's, it's a, it's a, no, it's a Porsche color. It's called Signal. It was based off Signal Yellow, but it's we've actually got a real uh, a name uh, that Ring Brothers called the color specifically. It's called Pile Up Yellow. Pile Up <laughs> Yellow because when the car when the car drove down the street outside their shop and did a U turn, um, someone t boned someone in front of it. So yeah, we call it Pile Up Yellow. Yeah, magnificent. And it's a nineteen sixty nine. Nineteen sixty nine. Nineteen sixty nine Dodge Charger. Ah, yeah. They're a wonderful car. I'm sure you'll get loads of joy out of it. And again, I enjoy the the uh, motorsport program that you guys put on. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate Thanks. your time, mate. You were in the draw to win that uh, beer drop game, courtesy of our good friends at Repco on 0800 1508. Just still working on Avalon. I think Avalon might be there because it's gone into green, has it? Are we into green? Is Avalon there, Sanjay? Oh, hello, Avalon. Oh. She's there. She's almost there. Come on, Avalon. How are you, Av? I'm good, thanks. How are you? We are good. So nice to have you on the on the show for the first time in a little wee while. You must have been uh, pretty pumped at the sort of mix-up of results at the weekend at Esther on World Superbikes, huh? Yeah, it was very exciting racing, wasn't it? Right down to the last corner. Uh, a couple of the races there, so, yep, thoroughly enjoyed that and... Uh, and then top break didn't take any victories, but um, definitely put on some good racing. And I thought Alvaro Bautista was probably the rider of the weekend for me. Very impressive performances um, from him and of the Ducati, just really using the top end speed of that bike to his advantage. So um, definitely made it exciting. Ev, uh, what did you did you have a little heart and, and throat moment when um, Jonathan Ray? tapped or nearly took out um, Toprak um, uh, at that moment in the first race. I mean, man, that was so close. The two of them could have been on the deck again very easily, which would have been uh, not very good in their relationship, I would have thought. No, I wondered how that was going to play out, actually, in Park Fume, but um, they were all happy patting each other on the back. <laughs> so they just, they like racing close, don't they? Holy hecka, it was a... Uh... Yeah, very, very close up there. Quite a few moments. And then I had my heart in my mouth in that second race as well when Jonathan Ray had that big slide uh, coming out of the last corner. Um, so, yeah, definitely some very edgy moments there throughout the weekend. But, um, yeah, everyone came out friends and uh, didn't take each other out this weekend. So <laughs> I guess it's all good. Well, it is, it is really good. I mean, for that's you know, those uh, all the races were decided on the last lap. Every race, the Super Bowl and race one and two were decided on the last lap. That's the first time ever since the three-race format was introduced. Uh, I mean, that says something. Uh, admittedly, and admittedly, it's just Bautista, Ray, Toprak, Ray, Bautista, Toprak, Ray, Toprak, <laughs> Bautista. 
But it's good to see because at least we are getting racing, right? We, we got it last year. Now we've just thrown someone else in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you say, Seven, yeah, it is, it is just those three. And I guess it's to their credit um, that they are that much better. You know, and I'm always, like, so excited when Andrea Locatelli or one of those young guys is up there with them. But um, they just don't seem to have that stamina to last the whole race or possibly the bike set up to last the whole race as those three do. So, um, yeah, they're putting on some amazing racing. It's so good to have a three-way battle again. We've seen Scott Redding in there with the two of them in the past. So um, awesome to see it back to that three-way battle. And yeah, do you guys think it's going to go all the way down to the line? It, uh, it yeah. kind of seems so at the yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not just going to be Ray and Bautista or, or Top Rack. Top Rack's going to pull his finger out, actually. Yeah, yeah, really interesting for me um, actually that weekend because he seemed like he still seemed happy and he was all jovial about coming second. But his manager, Keenan Safogu, had come out during the week and said, you know, like we're going to see a new top rack. He's going to be there to win this weekend. Um, and he didn't. So, yeah, I'm not sure how that went down behind the scenes, but um, he, he looked pretty pleasant. I guess you have to be when you're still scoring points. And, you know, as you said, it was anyone's race because uh, they were battling right down to the last lap. So. Yeah, still a good weekend, hey. but um, he definitely needs to take some wins to, to help his championship out. Yeah, he does. He's got a bit of catching up to do. What is it at the moment? Was it 161? He's or, on 109. Uh, just, uh, uh, Ray is on 144 and Top Rack's on 109. So there's a bit of a gap there. Hey, you, we just said before, you know, got those three bikes at the front, which is awesome to watch. And and I do, uh, I'm, I'm in awe of watching those three battle it out with some great racing. But what is it? I mean... These other guys have got the same bikes. You know, you've got Locatelli on the Yamaha, uh, Ike Likwona, who's, who's rookie on a superbike uh, for Honda. Uh, there's Rinaldi on the Ducati. Um, why are these guys just not able to maintain and, and, and hold the pace and, and be up there challenging? I mean, I, mean, I know there's lots of reasons and it's hard to really understand it, but they're not actually making the progress, are they? They're not actually making the progress that you would think they should be having those teammates and in the fact that they are, you know, professional riders. I mean, what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you, especially the likes of Ronaldo. I mean, he is on the same bike as um, Bautista. He's an Italian, so I'm, and he's always been favoured by Ducati Ronaldo, so I'm sure he has really great equipment and he isn't, you know, not the poor cousin of the team. He's definitely been treated fairly. So with the likes of him, I think it is, a bit of a stamina thing like he definitely can pull out the pace the odd weekend or the odd lap but he just can't do a lap after lap like those guys out front um and then the hondas i i think are honestly just unfortunately a little bit uncompetitive this year um well the last couple of years we saw bautista struggle on that bike and i really do believe xavier vihe and Likawona are riding the wheels off that thing some of the slow-mo clips of them are just incredible. I think there's one of Lekawona sliding in and out of the corner, just absolutely riding the wheels off that bike. So, yeah, the Honda and, and maybe the BMW are, are still need a bit of development to get up there. Um, the other riders, I, I just, honestly, they just need to keep pushing. The thing with Bautista, Top Rack and Ray is that they're constantly pushing, pushing each other. So they're not, you know, they are getting better as well. So as much as those guys like Lowe's and Rinaldi are, are great riders. They're chasing top riders who are also pushing themselves along. So, yeah, I just I honestly just think they're lacking that stamina and 
just that last little bit of pace, which can be mental or it can be in bike setup. And I think they've just got to keep pushing to find find their answer there um, to be able to keep up with them over the 25 lap races. Interesting you mentioned Lacona because him and Bautista are the only riders to have scored in all the races this year. So uh, consistency will pay off. Hey, let's just quickly look towards the MotoGP in Italy this coming weekend. They're going to retire the 46 number. How, 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 yeah. That's, that's, it's quite a moment when you think about it, eh? Yeah, it really is. I think well-deserved, but um, it also made me not, I don't know what, what I thought, but I thought so many young riders have grown up with that number. Um, and obviously aspired to be like Valentino Rossi and, uh, you know, those of them that do make it to MotoGP are um, going to have to pick another number when they get there because, um, yeah, there are so many young guys who are super talented and making their way to that championship, um, carrying that number in honour of Valentino. So, um, yeah, huge moment, very well deserved and I'm very jealous of everyone who's been this weekend. <laughs> hey, but, so, but, but when, you th- when you personally, as a, as a rider and a racer, Think of the number 46 and think of Rossi. For you, what legacy has he left? Oh, man. It's pretty, it's pretty hard to say. Um, oh, It's crazy. Like, even when you see it on TV now, just the amount of people still wearing yellow and still wearing that 46, and he's not even there racing. I think that shows um, just the impact he's had. But I guess in most countries, New Zealand is probably a little bit different, but in most countries, he motorcycling to to people that weren't interested in it previously and I think you know as a sportsman that's probably the biggest thing you can do is to open your sport up and and bring new people into the sport so yeah for me but for me it's just charismatic and I think uh, that yellow that 46 I just always um, associate it with his charisma and his personality which is um, you know you have to like him <laughs> you really do hard not to like him I think I think I think you said it. I think you said it there. You know, he 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 created so much interest. I think he's such a big part of growing the sport and um, making you know uh, World Five Hundred and then MotoGP uh, just more and more popular. And and because of his, uh, as you said, how charismatic he was, what a you know an, an amazing person uh, he came across as. You know. Um, just honest, humble, but, um, you know, just doing it for all the right reasons. And I don't know, he just, he was the right person to, to lead the sport, I suppose, into, into different. I just seem to have lost you there for a moment, Murph. Uh, I don't know if you can hear me, but we seem to have lost you. Can you still hear me, Avalon? You there? Yes. Okay, yes, we just seem yes, to have lost Murph a wee bit. Sorry, yeah. just for the moment, Murph. We'll just double-check on that one. Hey, but uh, one thing we were going to talk about here too was Jack Miller, KTM. The, the rumblings right out, KTM saying they're talking to him. It yeah. must be. It must, is, is riding for Ducati the worst job in the world? <laughs> no, um, definitely not. Without trying to upset anyone, I could say that as an Australian or a Kiwi, Italians are have a very different culture and it is actually quite difficult. Um, speaking from personal experience, yeah, I absolutely love Italy. Would love to be in Magello this weekend. Um, but yeah, major cultural differences and I do imagine it um, has been pretty hard for Jack, especially in, with the media on him as well in the last couple of um, months or even late last year as well. So yeah, I think the move to KDM is going to be um, good for him personally and in terms of working with the team, but then the bike is going to be a lot harder. I mean, he's fast on that Ducati. He's competitive, and 
we have to wait and see if he is, is that competitive on the KTM as well. Yeah, it, it's going to be a big challenge, isn't it? I mean, to uh, to go from where he's been. I mean, it, it, you watch the Tech Three guys at the moment; they're really, really struggling on the KTM, and and um, even Miguel Oliveira and Brad Binder, you know, a bit up and down. I mean, it's. <laughs> do you do you think that that it that really if he moves away from Ducati and goes to KTM, and if that doesn't go well, I mean, you you your life as a MotoGP professional motorcycle racer is is starting to look pretty pretty slim, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I I I honestly believe Jack's a fighter, and I think he will make it work from at KTM and and possibly I, he reminds me of Cal Crutchlow. You know, Cal hung yep, around yep. and was there for so long, still securing rides. Honestly, probably riding uncompetitive machinery for a heap of his career in MotoGP. And um, but they're such fighters. I'll never forget Casey Stoney when he was in MotoGP, and he said, oh, "There's a bit of lack of talent. I don't see any Australians uh, coming through." And um, Jack Miller was on Moto3 at the time, and I thought, man, I think he's underrated, this guy, Miller. Um, Casey has, and that, you know, he said that there weren't any Aussies coming through, and then before you know it, Jack's on the factory Ducati, just like Casey was. So I really think, uh, yeah, Jack's a fighter, and he'll be there in the championship for a few more years to come. But, um, yeah, that KTM is going to be a challenge, I think. All righty, Abby, always nice to talk to you. I hope uh, your boy is good, and we'll uh, talk to you again, and uh, you can look forward to uh, the Italian Grand Prix this weekend and just wish you were there. Yeah, <laughs> I will. Thanks, thanks guys. Yeah, you're welcome. Avalon Biddle, our, our resident expert on two wheels at 7.49. Don't forget, after 8 o'clock this evening, we talked to David Reynolds on the back of a very strong showing with Grove Racing at Winton and Supercars. So stick with us here on Repco Race Control on SENZ. Four on Repco Race Control. Hold the line. Got to love a bit of Toto when you you're in that mood and uh, and, and plants. Toto. Is that it? Was Toto named after Toto Wolf? No, it's Toto the group. Come on, hey, hold he the line the because line. of course uh, this this week just gone. Waka Kotahi, NZTA Transport Agency uh, started their six month trial of nabbing people with the cameras and seeing if they're wearing their seatbelts or using their phones. And they're not going to charge them if they get caught in anything. And you've come out and said, quote, unquote, unnecessary and useless. And you know what? I am with you. Well, the trial, uh, I think it's just, it's just, why did they even tell us that we're going to do it? They're not going to send in, um, uh, warning letters. They're not going to do infringements. We're just going to gather uh, some data to tell us what we already know. So someone's obviously in there just going, hey, I've got a great idea to make some cash. Let's tell these guys to do this. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't know how much it's going to cost. I mean, all you've got to do is uh, stand on any street at any time with any cars driving past, and it will take you a very short period before you see um, people on their phones, on your phones. I mean, everybody sees it. Everybody knows it. People know they do it, right? People know that they're doing it. It's, it's you know, it's, a, it's an epidemic. We, you know, so they're going to waste all this money, six months, um, just to get an answer that we already know what it will be. It's just, um, let's just get on with it. I mean, it, it's a real problem. I agree with the cameras. Get them out there, start sending out letters, um, warnings to start with, and then wham, period, period is over. And uh, we're going to start sending your fines. And they need to be big, 
big fights. Yeah, but the, the question is, Murph, you can do that, and that's great, and I agree with you 100%, but is it, will, will people pay the fines? I mean, what... Well, then, well you know what? Well, you know what? Take, take the car. No, no, no. I'll go a step further. Take the car off them. Yeah, well, that, do that. that. I agree. Okay, well, there you go. So that's uh, just a wee thought from Murph on that one. I'm with you 100% on this one because uh, some of the rules and regs that are going around in this country at the moment are absolutely diabolical and, oh, nonsen- and nonsensical. Pathetic. There's no yeah, comment. Yeah, but it's pathetic. Though. Yeah, I, yeah we pathetic. Are, we, are, we are so soft. We, we are so goddamn soft. There's a lot of things that need some, uh, some bloody, you know what, right now. Yeah, fair play. All right, it's almost 8 o'clock. It's 7.56. Coming your way after a David Reynolds from Grove Racing here on Repco Race Control. Gone eight o'clock live on a Thursday evening around Australia and New Zealand. This is Repco Race Control with Mackay from Murph and one man that we love because he just drives everybody crazy because he's such a good cat, such a good driver. And finally, Grove Racing are doing the business, and that makes us happy because David Reynolds, six podiums uh, so far this year, two run-ups. You must be feeling on fire, buddy. G'day, guys. Yeah, feeling really good. Thanks. Life's so much better when your race car's at the front of the grid, not the back of the grid. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> funny that, Dave. Funny that how you all of it's a sudden you start smiling again when you're actually uh, getting some getting some trophies, and um, everyone around you also enjoys you much better, don't they? It's so it's so funny, isn't it? Isn't like you probably know that more than anyone, Greg. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, mate. It's got, it's going really really good this year. It's obviously been a big turnaround, um, going from you know Kelly Grove this last year to just the Grove racing this year. We've got more engineers, more staff, and, um, yeah, everything's, you know, it's looking up. It's, it's really easy to say all those things, but you've got you to drive the race. Kind of, it's got to feel better. And I noted in an article on Speed Cafe, you talked very sincerely about the culture change. How, how big has the culture change been? And can you describe it? Well, yeah, it's sort of, it's kind of funny. It kind of happened basically straight away as soon as we went, to holidays in December and then we come back in January and there was like a shift in the mentality of the people working there. It was almost like they can be- they believe they can actually win races now. Um, and I don't really know how that happens, but it happened and it's 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 kind of coming through fruition now. Like we ever you know we can actually see the front of the grid and you know if we put everything perfect on the weekend we can win a race for sure. Hey mate, um, just your opinion then. So let's look at Grove Racing and you look what uh, they've you know, Stephen and Brenton Grove have turned up. And listen, there's no doubting that Stephen's a very successful business businessman. He's, he's generated yeah. a whole lot of wealth. He's, he loves motorsport. And he has dived in with, obviously, with a big checkbook to go, if I'm going to be in this, Head first. I, need, I need to do it right. And I need to spend. And I've got to work out all the things. Now, I'll, I'll be honest. I did not see this transformation happening so quickly. I just didn't. I wasn't sure that um, they were going to be able to put the things in place, listen to the right people, make the right decisions in such a short period of time. I mean, David Couchy turning up, right? That's a big get. That's a big, big get. Big huge get. Over the, huge get the for us. So, so tell me how 
you know that that expenditure there that get has has changed things within the operation because how much weight is on his his shoulders to perform and deliver um, results and how much has it has it achieved so far? Uh, yeah, good question, uh, Greg. <laughs> yeah, obviously, yeah. like you know, Brenton, you know, Brenton's a young kid and he's been actually in charge of majority of the stuff. He's only twenty five years old, I think he is. So he's you know pretty pretty young, but he's also you know has the backing of his dad and you know the you know the business experience that they have and whatnot. So they've sort of rolled into our team and you know Brenton always said he's been working on stuff for the last for probably since I don't know maybe June last year so probably six months before they actually took over the team he was working in the background of things he wanted to change things people he wanted to get and um, I think one of them obviously was David Couchy so David's of Couchy's a he was an engineer but now he's a team manager role so his role is slightly different than the engineering sort of side but he understands the he understands the processes that you know Triple Eight run their cars, and you know when he got here, he was surprised at um, the level of you know the the race team. You know it's, it wasn't like he was used to, so he's just basically changed the processes and made everyone super accountable and very honest with himself, and um, just basically changed the culture of of the race team in that way. And Brenton always has like, he has like a, a little saying, I suppose he says, you got to fix problems till there's nothing to fix. And basically we've been doing that since January this year. We've been fixing problems that we've had in the car um, or, you know, fixing problems with staffing problems or, you know, whatever it might be. So we're, we're still, we're still fixing problems, but there's less of them these days. David, is it, is it always does about... That sort of, does that sort of sum it up, Greg? No, not enough. You haven't given me enough detail at all. You're, um, you're holding well, back. You're holding back. You're holding back. Yeah, well, like, us, like fundamentally, it's it's a, it's a, it's the same car as what we had last year. Just we've changed a few things, bits and pieces, and whatnot. Um, and it's obviously making way more grip and way more pace than it did last year. Which is no no problem. Not trying last year. We tried. Yeah. There you go. But I suppose the guidance thing, the guidance that, that David has bought, I mean, you've got some clever people there. I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of Alistair McBain, who's your, you know, your yeah, car very, engineer very here. Um, very smart. And, but has David's guidance and just the ability to bring a new set of eyes to people like Alistair to provide them with, with uh, uh, some new concepts or new directions or uh, vilify sort of ideas, all that kind of stuff is, has, have you seen Alistair evolve and change and learn and, and, and provide more stuff for you and, and just your car? 100%, Greg. Every, everything okay. you said there is true. You know, it's, it's a fresh set of eyes, someone that's been in the top-level team for such, like he was there for 14 years or something, so he knows yeah. the ins and outs of, um, the business, of the 888 business, and he's kind of brought that ethos and that, you know, that um, competitive mentality. Like, he's just, he's, he's just a true competitor, like, he competes off off the track, um, in on the track, whatever. It's like, you know, when if we drive to the hotel, he has to drive there quicker than anyone else, or you know, beat everyone else, and you know, he's that sort of like racer, you know, winning at heart type person, and that's kind of flowed on to all of us, all the drivers, all the engineers, and whatnot. Yeah. So yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a shock to me that it's happened that quick. To be honest, like I didn't expect it to go to go, you know. Yeah to be that many podiums and be in, in a in a chance to win races and be on pole and stuff like that that quickly to be honest.
Um, it's, a, it's a huge shock. David, when you look at Winton, it was a pretty successful weekend all round for the team. You went uh, third, third, fourth, and Lee went uh, fifth, fourth, and sixth. And, and and he is the feel-good story from last year. But to to finally see midway through the season, not even then, that that car is now competitive must do wonders for the group as a whole. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm actually very surprised with Lee because, uh, you know... Uh, We'll we'll touch on that in a sec, but um, yeah, on the weekend we we scored the most team points or the most combined points out of any of the other teams. So that's I think that's a huge tick in the box for our team. Like we didn't think that would be possible, uh, but Lee surprised me because you know we we run a similar. Well, they're supposed to be the same sort of car, but when you put the same setup in the car, you know, one slower than the other, and unfortunately that was always Lee's car. So at the test day we just had like about two weeks ago before we went to Winton. He like just went on his own path and went down this rabbit hole of ideas and setups and changes and whatnot. And he actually got the speed out of the car, which was basically all his doing. Like I was um, surprised that at the end of the day he was pretty much on the same pace as, as my car. Um, but if we were to run the same setup, which we have been doing, you know, all the, all this year, his car just didn't seem to have the pace. He has to run his car slightly different than my car to get the pace out of it which is you know it's just it's just the sport you know the sport is you know everything's kind of hand built in a way the chassis are hand built you know they're all hand built together so you know no no two parts are really identical if you know what I mean so they probably required you know different tools around it to make the same speed and he um, did a fantastic job and to drag that speed out of the car so I was you know I'm actually in awe of Lee to do that because I would have given up a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're just not that smart, though, so that's, that's why. But hey, I'm um, def- I've, uh, I've got a theory with us race car drivers, Greg. The dumber we are, the yeah, faster we go. Well, it's, uh, it does tend to work in many cases. It worked for me and for some part of my career. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, listen, it's... it's I'm loving loving seeing your smiley face um, doing what you're doing, but oh, just God. just you know you've been through you've been through some challenging times. I mean, um, it, it's been an interesting watch. Let's say, I mean, there's the the the, the time with Erebus. You know, we, we we saw success. We saw things there that we thought were going to manifest into you know a, a long long future there, and, and then it all fell apart. And then we saw you go to to Kelly Grove and and. You know, it was a struggle last year. I hated seeing you not where you needed to be. Did you, I mean, did you really go into into December last year thinking, you know, that m- my chances um, of, of, you know, being back at the front of the field and potentially looking at, down the barrel of winning a race um, were, were still going to happen? I mean, did you really, I mean, where did you think you were going to be as a supercar driver this year and into the future. I mean, and and how I mean, how good does it feel now, dude? Yeah, to be honest, I had I just didn't I didn't think I'd win a race next or this year or be on the podium this year because our car pace last year was pretty abysmal. Um, but you know, the, the Groves are very smart people, and Brenton always said, you know, stick stick with us and we'll make it all happen. So, you know, yeah. I, I tend to believe some some people have the Midas touch, and you know, anything they touch turns to gold. And I believe, you know, the Groves are uh, some of those people, you know, they don't do anything by halves. I knew when he bought 50% of uh, Kelly Racing that he would only ever buy the other 50% soon thereafter. I didn't know it would be a year later. 
and I know those guys don't do anything by halves. They're, uh, you know, head first, all in, you know, um, guns blazing type fellas. You know, they are serious professionals and they don't stuff around. So, you know, I'm I'm just I'm 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 just happy I'm along for the ride to watch all the success in front of me. To be honest, <laughs> I'm not I'm you know, it's you know at the end of the day I'm just the driver, a bit of the spokesperson for the team and ha- telling everyone how good we're going. But you know behind there's you know twenty twenty nine people at the workshop slogging to make it all happen. It's you know it's a credit to them, really. David, what's the situation with the Gen three cars as you know it from your team's perspective? Uh, yeah, I don't really have a lot to do with it, to be honest. You know, the, the Gen 3 cars, that's the, that's the manufacturing side. So that's like the DJR, their Ford manufacturer, and the Eight mm. guy, they're the Chevrolet manufacturer. So I drove myself and Lee did a day in it at or the Mustang after, oh, when was it? Uh, Tasmania. And they are very, very different to drive. Obviously, when we jumped in, it's quite a vanilla setup. It wasn't really like an aggressive setup in the car, like how we'd run it, but... You know, they, they have a lot more torque, so wheel spins. Um, you've got to control the throttle a lot more like back we did when I first started, back when I first started in 2006 and drove a supercar. Then it felt like more like that sort of error. Uh, has less aero um, and things like that. So, you know, obviously it's, there's still a long way to go in the program, but, um, yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be challenging. It's going to scare some of the young kids, I can tell you that. But does it, does it excite you? Uh, yeah, it does. Like I, 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 the prob- the problem is, like I, last year, I'm like, yeah, we need a change. And this year, I'm saying, I don't, I don't want change because I've got on top of the car and it's yeah. done really good. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, I hope it gets delayed for another year because you know our car's you know performing well. <laughs> well, that that's the real concern, though, David. Right? There's some sub suggestion that teams when when are they going to get the cars and are they going to be there on time for the start of the new season? Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's a million dollar question. I can't answer that. So. Yeah, it's going. It's going to. If it happens, it's going to be a very busy off season for all the teams, and they're probably not looking forward to it. So, you know, the last two years has been pretty hard on all the staff with all the, you know, time away and, you know, how weird Australia's or the world's been, I suppose. Um, and then to slap a new car in front of that, you know, it's going to piss a lot of people off. I think. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, oh, uh, true, he actually... like you know, you got, you got to look after. Oh, no, you absolutely. got to look after the people that that work in the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, now, um, uh, just speaking of ex-teammates, uh, well, you weren't really, but I'm going to bring it up. Um, he, uh, Andre Heimgarner fin- on finished on the podium in that last race, race yeah. with uh, Winston on the, on the weekend. Um, but do you think up until that point he was kicking himself for leaving and, and going to Brad Jones Racing and not staying with you? Um, well, you know, I, th- I think he's probably kicking himself now because our cars are pretty good and pretty consistent wherever <laughs> we go. But at the time, he had no idea that it was going to be like that. And I'm pretty sure, you know, when he went to Brad's, he got a, a slightly better deal than what he was on. And so, he, you know, he took it. You can't blame him. Isn't for that. hindsight. Isn't hindsight a wonderful thing? Mate, we, we, every, every, well, every time we do a debrief, it's always hindsight racing. How could we have won that race? <laughs> and we, all, we, we win the race every time. 100% of the time we win that race at debrief. <laughs> That's hindsight racing because, you know, it's like, oh, we should have pitted down or we should have put these tyres on instead of those tyres or we should have put that set up in and shouldn't have, shouldn't have locked those brakes or, you know, it's just just how it is. Hey, um, I've got I'm, I'm, I've got to come over uh, next Sunday. I'm flying over um, to have my first oh, really? uh, test test in, at Winton on the 7th of, um, of June. And can, 
give me a target time. Give me a, give me an honest target time that you think I should be able to hit at Winton uh, on a if it's what a good day, a dry day. Uh, round black ones, and I think they're Dunlops. Round black ones. Well, there's obviously there's hard, soft, and super soft. We race on the super soft on the weekends, um, but majority of the time we run on soft tyres there. So, oh, dude, I, I have no idea, but I can't believe after all this time you're going to go back into racing and you're going to still test that winter now. How bad is that <laughs> mentally? <laughs> dude, you're not wrong. Uh, you know what I'm dreading the most? What I'm dreading the most <laughs> is having to get in the car as we always and did. Drive and drive two and a half hours there. Two and I half was hours ever going to have to do that again. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm not looking I, forward to it. I know how you feel. But it's actually like, yeah. it's it's not a bad place. It's it's all right. All right, if mate. You haven't driven, when was the last time you drove a car? Last time I drove a car was uh, 2019 at uh, the Bend. Um, and I drove... Um, as Scotty, Scotty Mack and, and Fabian's bloody Mustang. Oh, yeah, nice. That would have been bloody good back then. Oh, yeah. But I, I didn't want to... It was in practice one or practice nothing. And uh, so I was being a bit careful. Imagine, the, imagine my reputation. Remember my reputation if I'd um, happened to scratch one of those cars in that session. Yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> Welcome back, Greg. Welcome back. Yeah, we, we, we are Thanks, all mate. genuinely excited about him getting back behind the wheel. And I know we know for the last two years he's been working out really hard too. He's he's looking pretty ripped actually, David. So you might get surprised when you see him next time around. He's uh, looking pretty buff. Mate, I've, I've, got a, I've got a trick for you. What is that? It's a it's a new it's a new diet I've been on for the last five months. It's just the meat diet. All I eat is steak, nothing else. Yeah, does it work? Does it work? Uh, I lost I lost six kilos and I feel amazing. And no shit. Oh man, I'm on it. Cam Waters, Cam Waters stole the idea off me at the Bathurst 12 hour, and he lost three kilos into the into the week of uh, Winton, and then he won two races and had two poles. So <laughs> nothing but meat. What a bastard. Nothing but I have like maybe steak and eggs in the morning, and then I'll have a, a big steak at dinner, and I'm done. And you can have butter, you know, whatever you want on it. It's just beautiful. Oh, yeah. I can, and I can just, do you that. Feel amazing. I, oh, I'm going to do it right. I'm like you told my new, my new diet. Un- I'll, I'll, I'll send you some info, Ace. But I, I'll tell you what. If someone said, "Hey, I'm going to this diet for you. You got to eat vegetables and salad," I'll tell you to go jump in the lake, wouldn't I? Like <laughs> Well, I hope you. But as men, all we want to do is eat steak. Yeah, but you don't want to be teaching little Rio that, eh? You know, Rio doesn't want to be just eating steak. Yeah, Ryu. I'm trying to again. All I want him to eat is like animal food. So I suppose that's how we. You know, I'll send send you some stuff, and then you can do your own little like analysis on it. But it's actually really good. I feel amazing. Okay, well, I'm on it. That's a nice way to finish a chat, David. Uh, thanks so much for giving us your time. Again, it's uh, so good to see you back at the front of the field, cracking jokes and being and looking happy again. I think that's the most important thing. We just oh, like thanks, we like seeing Appreciate you happy. It. So, uh, uh, and just make sure you text Murph for time for Winton, okay? Thanks, <laughs> okay, I will. All right, I'll be, thanks, buddy. All right, I'll see what I can do. See, see you, man. Is David Reynolds? Isn't he in such a good mood, Murph? Eh? He is in Mate, just a different. Uh, but he's but he is the cat that we need happy. Because he's a character. Because there's not a many characters. Well, there's not many characters anymore in supercars, right? No, no. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. They're all too serious. They're way too politically correct. And he um, he is an asset. There's no doubt about it. So, uh, yep, bloody sounds awesome. I, I, I haven't heard him sound like that 
for a, no. a very, very long time. No, you were um, Everything's in the right place. Life's good. So good to hear. Yeah, well, it is because yeah. he's eating blimmin' big steaks. It's a twi- I'm that. It's I'm 20 past eight. Give you another chance to win that... Uh, <clears throat> Beer drop game. Uh, 0800 150 It's 0800 150 Tell us how many pole positions Scott Dixon has won at Indy 500. And you go on the draw to win that beer drop table. 0800 150 uh, Beer drop game, 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 game. It's 8.20. Go, go. 8.24 on a Thursday evening with uh, Murph and McIver. Wherever you are around New Zealand or Australia, good evening to you. Or, yeah, it's. I hope you're enjoying the show. We've just been talking to David Reynolds. Did he really drop it? Did he drop an F? I thought, did he drop an F? No. He didn't? No. no. He didn't? No. Gosh. no. Uh, again, I've got to say, so good to hear him happy. Uh, not so happy, Charles Leclerc, after the Grand Prix at the weekend uh, in uh, Barcelona. Uh, engine failure lets him down and uh, hands Max doesn't hand Max Verstappen the win and but he does but I thought the hardest call of the weekend was Sergio Perez having to pull over his car was quick and they said look yeah. if Max is quicker and he, and he says oh, but guys this is not fair and I you know the, the, the team orders that that must suck right that must really suck if there's if there's a team that's got a number one and a number two in it it's uh, Max and uh, yeah. Sergio. So uh, that's the that's what he signed up for. That's what he signed up for. Uh, Max did go off the track. He was ahead of him and then went off the road and he was having a recovery and blah, blah, blah. And it was a challenging uh, event because of the tide degradation, which actually made it interesting for mm-hmm. all of us sitting watching. Um, but, um, yeah, that's just the way it is and that's what he's going to have to deal with um, if he wants a longevity yeah. at uh, Red Bull Racing. That is the question. It was a shame, though. I mean, um, the Ferrari was very good. Charles Leclerc, uh, amazing performance um and uh it was not the actual ICE the internal combustion engine it was the turbocharger and uh the generator unit that um that failed so uh disappointing for him because he's losing a lot of ground in that championship yeah uh, i think the encouraging thing for mercedes fans is they got back into the into gear they looked but they're still porpoising apparently but george russell p3 lewis your favorite person uh p5 p5 so yeah still whinging Still whinging, like gave up the ghost after he got had that moment where he got the puncture early in the race. Was you know wanting to park the car. World's over. Oh my god. Oh, so tough for Lewis. So tough for him. He's he's doing it so tough. I have no sympathy for him whatsoever. He's got to grow up and actually take a look at what he's got sitting in the old trophy cabinet yeah. and actually just uh, harden up there. Just enjoy, yes, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy the legacy that he has left. I mean, oh, and it's a hell of a legacy. Uh, I, I love seeing Valtteri Bottas do so well, a P7, uh, because I think that's really cool, that, that Alfa Romeo, and that shows that he can drive a car. But the real, the interesting one for me is keeping an eye on the Alpines, Ocon P7, uh, Alonso P9. I thought that's interesting. They're starting to find uh, consistency in that oh. mid-packet, don't you think? No, uh, no, they're no. still up and down. No, nowhere near as good as what they need to be or what they should be. I remember Alonso actually started at the back too, so yeah. um, he had, had some changes. So that wasn't a bad recovery, but um, I'm, I'm starting to get worried about Formula One again, uh, how spread out cars are. Um, well, the top 10, how many... so sorry, excuse me, just um, because on this is where you're going, ninth was a lap down. Yeah, and that's that's not good. That is not good. Tricky tr- circuit to say hide, tie, dig, but the gaps from the front for those top teams to down the back, I mean, geez. 
Uh, Ricardo had another absolute abysmal oh. shocker. Okay, so is, um, is he, they, do you think he's being like there's a there's a whole sort of you know swathe of stories that Colton Hurt is going to come in and replace him? Now, do we think that's, really? Is he? Yeah, this, this, every time I read a story, it's well, Ricardo's not good, and Colton Hurt is sitting there just waiting to jump in. No, no, it is oh, a, it's a genuine story thread that's been going for the last two weeks because of three weeks because of his the way he's not performing. Now, well, I'm not interested in that story thread at all, so that's probably why I haven't paid any attention to it. Well, I, 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 because I think it, it it garners attention because Daniel Ricardo is such a character, such a personality. Well, it garners attention because it's it's controversial. I mean. Um, uh, what's his face? Colton hasn't even driven a Formula One car. No. So just because he's he's the golden child in an IndyCar at the moment, it does not mean that he's going to be successful when he if he jumps in one of those things. I, I really, mean, but I, I am very concerned around about Daniel Ricciardo and his performance. I mean, Lando did struggle on the weekend though too. So the McLaren have got a lot, a lot to find because their car is nowhere near as competitive as what it needs to be or what we thought it was going to be. No, and I think, you know, if I, if I take you back to the Colton Herder thing and they have an American boss now, they've got to, well, they'll have three Grand Prix, Grands Prix there eventually. I just think there's the, it's maybe be driven by an American faction saying, oh, well, let's have an American driver who's going to make the world a difference. Well, it's only going to make the world a difference if you've got a competitive car. Well, it's not going to make the world a, a change or, or no. improve it's just it, it's it form, it's formula one is very political formula one is is just a commercial world it's all about making money and um what you say there you know that's probably got legs they do need to have an american driver with the focus on america um for formula one so you you know that 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 makes makes sense more so than anything else but um yeah, they've they've still got to be competitive. I mean, you put an American driver in a car and and he's not up the front, he's not in a competitive race team. It ain't going to help help the sport. One final thought on F one, Murph, because you're in Monaco this weekend, which I I love. I just, just yeah. I love it. I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, Liam Lawson will be there along with Marcus Armstrong, uh, which is cool. They're sitting fourth and fifth respectively in the championship. But I yeah, mean, Liam didn't have a Liam didn't have a great nah. weekend of qualifying. He didn't. Nah. I didn't find out the detail. I don't know if they really gave too much detail uh, they, they, at all on on what happened in qualifying. But it was abysmal. And he played catch up all weekend and came away with the week from the weekend with very little to show for. Uh, the effort or the uh, the spend expenditure. Remember, he won the sprint race last year at Monaco, but it got taken off him for another pathetic little yeah. uh, tiny um, uh, rule thing around uh, something to do with a start map or engine that's map right. or something. Yeah, that's right. Probably, remember. Yeah. Um, so he's he's got um, you know to go back there and, uh, and something to prove for sure, and I hope he does. We've, he he sort of his his championship started with such a hiss and a roar, and it's just petered out. And uh, Carlin need to sort their, you know, what out uh, to get him back where he needs to be uh, at the front of the field because uh, there's too many other drivers at the moment that are starting to take the take the shine and, um, you know, Liam's starting to uh, disappear into the wilderness a little bit there. Yeah, and that's the last. If you want to drive F1, you don't want to be in the wilderness. So Drugovic is well ahead of the, uh, of the pack in that uh, F2. Uh, British F4, by the, weekend, weekend, by the way, this weekend at Thruxton, Louis Sharp will be uh, racing again this weekend, so he's pretty excited about that after a, a pretty solid first up, first up round last weekend. All right, stick around. This is Repco Race Control. It's 8.31. We go uh, to the other side of the world, surely, and talk to three-time world WMX champion Courtney Duncan.
8.36 on a Thursday evening, Money for Nothing, Dire Straits, one of the great stadium bands of the 80s and a great sound to say the least. It's the best sound we've heard in a long time. It's the sound of Courtney Duncan saying, yeah, I'm back on the bike. And she joins us now live from her home base in England. Hey, Courtney, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Well, we are happier than pigs in mud that you are uh, riding the penultimate round of WMX this weekend. How hard has this re- rehab on the collarbone been? Yeah, no, I'm excited to be back racing. And, um, yeah, the collarbone has been uh, it's been good, to be fair. I did give it a couple of extra weeks. We waited six weeks before we got back on the bike and, um, yeah, had no problems with it. It's been strong and um, pain-free, so we're ready to go. How hard has it been sitting around uh, waiting for this to, to come right? I mean, you guys have been you've been through injuries before and they, they're always yeah. challenging and always tough. But, but again, um, just uh, not being able to, to get out there and ride, I mean, how, how tough has it been? Yeah, it's always going to be tough. I mean, just that amount of personal ambition that goes into a pinnacle event is um, is a lot. And obviously, when when you don't achieve what you achieved, there's that other side to that, and it's just, you know that intense disappointment that you feel. And obviously, it, it lasts a few weeks, and then you hit the other end of the cycle, and you start to come out of it and start to regroup and look at you know making a stronger return and. Um, yeah, that's what we've been doing. Obviously, uh, it's been tough to be watching, but at the same time, it's been, it's done. So just got to make the best out of what's in front of us. How much physical rehab work do you have to do on a collarbone? Uh, to be fair, not too much. I mean, it's obviously collarbone is pretty minor. So it was just more like um, letting it kind of rest for the first few weeks. Um, yeah, just obviously being able to do a bit of mobility and um, just a bit of physiotherapy, getting all the muscles around the collarbone and obviously the scar tissue and stuff loosened up. So um, to be fair, I was probably lucky that it was a minor injury compared to you know, most of my injuries. Hey, um, this year, uh, the amount of rounds, only five rounds. Is that is that normal? How yep. many rounds do you usually have in the championship? Yeah, normally six. Um, one got taken away due to the war and stuff going on. So there was supposed to be a round in Russia. And obviously that one got cancelled. And then Spain got... Um, I know, sorry, we were supposed to race in France. And then that one got cancelled. So, um, yeah, it's been been frustrating. So I only have this one and one more. So, um, yeah, really short season. Yeah, it is a short season. And, and a big gap. So uh, this weekend in Spain yep. and then... Uh, you've got to wait all the way through to September. So two questions. Um, what What is the surface like? What What uh, is the track like in Spain? And then what happens yep. after this? Um, what are you doing in between uh, this round and, and the last one in Turkey in September? So um, Spain is, it's like tacky clay, I would say. It's cool, really. Um, it's it's kind of like home. I raced there for the first time last year and uh, really enjoyed the track. So uh, looking forward to going back there feel like you can gel with it quite well and um, then after that I'm actually on a flight home on I think I fly out on Wednesday so um, excited to be returning back to New Zealand for probably six eight weeks um, yeah just to regroup really um, it's been a long frustrating kind of few months so I'm looking forward to getting home and being around some friends and family and um, yeah just having a fresh start really. Does it knock your confidence when something like this derails your championship run? 
Um, not too much, to be fair. Um, obviously, injury is a part of sport. I've probably been through a fair share of them, so uh, I know that I can make a return. And like I said, this one was relatively minor, and the speed come back pretty quickly. So um, confidence hasn't really been de- derailed too much. Um, yeah, I guess we'll see this weekend. I suppose getting back into it this weekend too, Courtney, it'll be, and I excuse the, the terrible pun, but it'll be just like riding a bike again, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's it. That's what it should be like. We'll see. Um, so what, what also is then happening, uh, conversations, talks about, uh, you know, the following season, we have silly seasons in every bloody form of sport and motorsport especially. Some of them mm-hmm. start even before the season's even begun. Um, but have, yep. uh, you got um, stuff sort of starting to lay out for, you know, even though we are only still in May, June's around the corner, um, and you've only got two rounds left. Is there conversations or chats around uh, what the what the future holds beyond the end of the season? Um, so yeah, I'm still in contract for the next year with um, the same team, same brand. So um, obviously back with these guys but yeah look at doing things a little bit different for sure obviously the the whole year has been pretty frustrating and things haven't been smooth run which is sport some things you can control some things you can't um but the better prepared and, and the better you set yourself up for the better luck you do have i believe so um yeah we just got a few things that need worked out and a bit of clarity moving forward, and then I think we'll be all good for next year. I was looking at the points table. Uh, Dutch woman, Dutch mm-hmm. woman, Dutch woman. Uh, what is it about mm-hmm. y- young Dutch women that they ride so well on these bikes? Yeah, Dutchers. I mean, and they got the breeding ground for it. Yeah, you always look at, you know, success and kind of what stems to get there. And obviously, like you say, you look and there's a lot of Dutch, and they just have really good programs and platforms and um, the toughest conditions in the world there. So if you grow up in tough conditions, and I mean, you go to GPs and they're relatively easy. So, um, yeah, they, they've got a really good system going there. And obviously it's it's in Europe, it's in the hubs, so they can live at home, just live normal lives, and then just go race GPs um, on the weekends. So, um, yeah, you don't see a whole lot of Kiwis and Aussies, and <laughs> there's probably reasons for that. Uh, it's it's a long way away. The races are spread out. Over here, you kind of a lot of the time get left on your own and figure stuff out. So it's not the easiest sport to move into for the Kiwis and Aussies. And but um, just got to make it happen, I guess. Um, have you thought about changing your name to Courtney Vander Duncan <laughs> <laughs> and becoming Dutch? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, never. I think I'd no? rather return okay. home and not ride a dirt bike. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that one. <laughs> Courtney Vander Duncan. <laughs> it's, it's sort of it kind of sounds time. right, though, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> That's the weird thing. No, I hope you oh, like really ju- I hope you like tulips and clogs. <laughs> and a bit of grass. Yeah. <laughs> and now it goes down the rabbit hole. All right, mate. No, hey. no, cut it out. I got that. I'm still on the kiwi flag. It's not changing. <laughs> <laughs> that a girl. That's a good one, Boom. That's good. Hey, yeah. uh, best of luck this weekend, man. I, I suppose, awesome. and, and realistically, uh, even if you won all the races this weekend, the, the championship's well out, well out of reach. Yeah, yeah. It's well gone, which is um, 
sucks, but yeah, that's that's the way life goes sometimes. All right, Courtney van der Duncan, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. Best of luck on the bike. <laughs> I'm not going to ask for you next call. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, mate. Good to see you back on the bike. Awesome, yeah. right. Have a great weekend. <laughs> Mate, that was a good you one. You like that? That was you like that. Mate, you nailed that. That I don't know where the hell did that one come from. <laughs> well, I was just looking at all. I'm looking at all the Dutch names. Yeah. It was all Van der Voot, Van der List, Van der Veen, and Valk. Yeah. Yeah. Courtney Van. Courtney Van der Dijk. All right. Move on. Move on. <laughs> I'm going to cough. I'm going to be, get off here and uh, have a splutter. 0800 150811. Here's your last chance to be a winner. 0800 150811. If you can tell us how many pole positions that Scott Dixon has uh, managed to get at Indy. All right. The 106th running on Monday live on Sky Sport. Be in to win. Yee-haw. indeed. We'll uh, call the winner shortly. 8.49. Time to go to the phones and uh, give away our beer drop game. Paul, hey, mate. How are you? I'm well, thank you. It's Paul Vander Duncan now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was all good. It was very funny, wasn't it? He was Murph's on fire tonight. Uh, congratulations, mate. You're right about Scott Dixon winning five polls now, one behind the famous Rick Mears, who got six. Uh, and that beer drop game's all yours, buddy. Oh, that's marvellous. Thank you very much. You are more than welcome, and thanks for being a part of Repco Race Control. 0800-150-811. Each week, you can be aware with our good friends at Repco, celebrating 100 years, Murph. 100 years. To, to it's a long time. It's a hell it's a of a long time. time. Um, you know do, you the reckon, one... do, you reckon, do you reckon there's another 100 years in them, or do you reckon that, um, yes, things might change? Yeah, don't even want to think about that one, actually. Um, no. Nick Cassidy, he had his uh, first crack at, well, not his first crack, a crack at DTM at the weekend, uh, mm, 23rd. He's not. A, he's actually not having a good run in anything at the moment, is he? Uh, no. I mean, he's, he actually had some pretty good speed at times uh, in the Ferrari, um, but he had uh, two punches on the same lap with about four laps to go, so that sucked as he said. Um, so he, didn't, he only got a, a couple of points out of the whole weekend. So I think it was just one of those ones. That is, it was a lot worse for his teammate, uh, Felipe Fraga. His uh, 488 GD3 Ferrari caught fire and um, it was well on fire. So that uh, uh, ruled him out of um, Sunday's race. So they, they, it, it, when you think your weekend's bad, then um, it, it can always be worse. Uh, I was, yeah. It's interesting you mentioned the name Fraga. Remember young Igor Fraga who raced in the... Mm. I wonder what ever happened to him. He went and raced, I think, F4 for a while, regionally F4 in Europe, and just has seemed to have disappeared off the map. I try and follow him on um, uh, Instagram because he's such a lovely young man, but he just seems to be doing just back doing e-racing again. You know, it was interesting, eh, because he, he, he converted himself. He was actually very talented. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it just I wonder whether it was simply comes down to the old moolah when, and, and that response to things like that. Anywho, uh, Ooh, we, we must we just talk a little bit about what's going on around Indy because uh, Hunter McElroy will be racing, I think, this weekend. I know Billy Fraser and, and Jacob Douglas are racing in the latest round of the USF 2000 Championship this weekend at Lucas Oil Speedway, which is, uh, what, just across the road from Indy? Is that, is that right? Oh, it's just, well, it's not quite just across the road, but it's in... in uh, not far away from the Indianapolis 500 motor speedway. That's right. Yeah, so, 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 so that's something to look forward to. That's something to look forward to, to, to as well. So there's, there's, there's a hell of a lot going on. I, I want to come back to what you're doing this weekend because um, I, I'm really starting to enjoy this endurance racing because the, the fields are getting bigger. Why aren't you guys, why won't you guys run in maybe the one hour just to, to warm up? Would you do that? Is that a, is that a stupid thing to say? 
No, it's not stupid, but it's just um, uh, the cost, mate. It's, you know, GT3 cars, massively expensive uh, to run. And, um, you know, that's another set of tyres and it's, you know, it's fuel and all this stuff. So it's um, it, it just, it's not quite as simple as that. And in the three-hour race, there's a lot of prep, you know, there's a, there's a lot of preparation uh, around being involved in that with a GT3 car. So, you know, to... Um, to go and run it in the one hour and then turn it around and, and just, you know, check that everything's right and then go into a three hour race. It's just, it's not a walk in the park. It's, it's uh, there's a bit involved. And, and also the one hour race um, is um, the precursor to the three hour race. So you really wouldn't have time to, to oh, I, be able to do both. You need, you need two different cars. Oh, okay. So that's what I've got to figure out when I get down there. So you're going to run the two hour, then the one hour, are they just going to roll it yeah. over? Oh. Two hour, one hour, then the three hour. Uh, you were talking about things that uh, the, the, the uh, John Penny GT3, Aston had to work on what? What are they working on at the moment? Making it faster. <laughs> How do, actually? Okay, this is a really good question. How do you make a car faster? Is it? Do you think that's a really good question? Well, I thought it was a pretty good question because you haven't answered the question, uh, so it must be a good question well, for him to think. It depends. It depends on um, what you're trying to find and, and what the you know, where the deficit is, isn't it? So if you look at a race car, there's, it's got an engine, it's got suspension, it's got tyres, it's got aerodynamics, all those kinds of things. So, you know, there's multiple areas of, um, of uh, to work on to try and improve speed. So um, with the Aston, we had, uh, they had a few problems at, at Pukeko with uh, tyre wear, which came down to just uh, settings and setup and found another uh, couple of things today at the racetrack that um, could potentially be... Um, holding it back in the suspension side of things as well. Um, so it's it's just, it's a learning curve. I mean, the car rolled out of a container only a week before Pukekohe. Um, we didn't get the the wheel socket for that car until the day before it went on track to be able to even get the wheels off it, you know? So <laughs> okay. it, it, um, it takes a bit of time and everyone's busy and, and um, you know, running at school and John Penny runs a business and, you know, so just trying to get um, get all your ducks in a row. It's, it's it, when you're not professional. It's not a professional game. It's an amateur game. Um, you know, you've got to prioritise. So there's uh, lots of learning uh, tomorrow. Hopefully, there'll be a bit more learning, and then you've got three hours on Saturday to do a lot more learning. Talk to um, talk to. Will... Sorry, talk to me about your co-driver Shane Helm. How's he going? Yeah, really good. He had a great day today. Um, went out the box in the Renault and um, set some uh, very very good good consistent. Um, lap time so he finished the day with a massive smile on his face and and has built uh, confidence hugely over the last couple of race meetings okay just uh, before we go because we've got about a minute and a bit i got to tell you that you know Andrew Waite who won the last round at Pukeko well, round one with uh, I think Sam Fillmore I do know I do know, I do know Andrew uh, well he, yeah. he uh, has been hooked by drifting because he was uh, calling the drifting round at the weekend at Hampton Downs, the D1NZ, round number three, which fanged Dan one of that beautiful RTR spec Mustang and I spoke to Andrew and he is hooked absolutely hooked. just like you just like you yeah boy yeah exactly exactly i'm looking forward to getting back into it uh manfield june 18 19 is the next round so that'll be a whole heap of fun so go down to the beautiful circuit down there all right we're done man um nice to be back in the seat having a yarn and i'll i'll see you probably tomorrow because i'm traveling down to topol tomorrow to get my my bearings for the one two and three hour race of uh, round two of the golden homes north island insurance series all right yeah, yeah. Don't lose your don't lose your voice. There'll be a lot of talking. Yeah, I know. Well, you might have to help me out somewhere along the way. All right, talk nope. to. You. I will not. Be. Take care, mate. Talk soon. That's us done for Repco Race Love Control. It. Thanks, Sanjay, as always, for steering the ship and making us sound good. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>